One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The FT. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. Market gloom over China and oil continues to dominate the FX stratosphere, and that means the dollar has begun 2016 strongly without actually having to do much legwork of its own. So, are we embarking on the next phase of a dollar bull run, or will this bearish market mood engulf the world's biggest currency? Welcome to Hard Currency, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times that takes a tour in and around the big FX issues of the past seven days. Right now, FX traders are probably taking their cue from two indices, the price of Brent crude and the People's Bank of China's daily fix for the renminbi's permissible trading band. Now, all that may change if we hit a bottom in oil and if Chinese central bank exchange rate policy stabilizes. But those sound like pretty big ifs. As the G10 central banks begin to gather for their latest round of policy meetings and Davos assembles next week, what does China and oil mean for the Fed's rate cycle and for monetary policy across G10? With me to discuss this is Stephen Gallo, European Head of FX Strategy at Bank of Montreal. Stephen, welcome. Um, Just give us a sense of the impact of China and oil across G10 FX. Sure. Well, the the impact of China and oil on on G10 is at this stage very well defined. And since the beginning of the year, FX investors who are principally trading G10 currencies are basically now dependent almost entirely on other asset classes like equities, like commodity prices. And so so there are some very well-defined relationships in, in FX as a result of that. Okay, let's see how, as I was saying at the beginning, how the dollar has been performing. It's been it's been strengthening against emerging market currencies. That was the story very much of 2015. That's obviously continuing, isn't it? Yes, yes uh, correct. So the, the, the broad trade-weighted dollar has appreciated modestly so far this year. And the main reason for that is because commodity block currencies within the G10 space, within that broad trade-weighted basket, a number of EM currencies, including the renminbi, have weakened versus the dollar this year. And some of the volatility in in those currencies, in those individual currencies, has been pretty high. But equally, slowing down that move higher in in the broad value of the dollar has been strength in the euro and strength in the yen. They've been showing haven... I like I like to associate I, I like to associate their strength during times of risk off with the flow of capital. The flow of yeah. capital tends to be outward during periods of risk on and during risk off. That capital gens tends to come home; it returns home, and so those currencies appreciate versus the dollar versus uh, versus a broad basket of currencies. Yeah. And we're also seeing a lot of risk averse impact on the likes of sterling and uh, the Canadian dollar, for example. Yes. So you're in both of those cases, you're looking at currencies that have a 
pretty nasty external position during periods of risk off currencies with wide current account deficits or widening current account deficits tend to underperform even if they're developed market currencies. And then, of course, the Canadian dollar is, is a direct reflection of the weakness in Asian currencies and the yes. weakness in the price of oil and other resource uh, materials. I mean, it's a pretty stuck record, this uh, EM uh, currency behavior, isn't it? Um, yeah. Do you see any sign of that shifting? Not yet. We're in a period where central banks uh, outside of the U.S. will probably be easing more this year. But we're also in a period where central banks, I think, collectively know that too much aggressive stimulus or, for example, a reversal of monetary policy normalization in the U.S. could feed bubbles that become bigger mess to clean up further down the road. But equally, they don't want to not provide any stimulus at all or be or or on the Fed in the Fed's case, they don't want to tighten rapidly or raise rates rapidly because that could could just make a bad near term situation a, a lot worse. So they're they're towing a very fine line. But I think the main point is that in the short run, central banks are unlikely to want to come aggressively to the rescue of markets. They're likely to want some of these moves to play out and for the mentality of the new normal to basically embed itself in the minds of investors globally. Does that mean we're really seeing or we're we're going to be seeing central banks sitting on their hands and reverting to the the thing that they, they know they're familiar with, which is further easing? Sitting on their hands from time to time, but certainly not taking the prospect of stimulus completely off the table. I mean, if China domestically had its own sort of bubble immediately after the global financial crisis, and if expectations of very rapid growth, if not albeit unsustainable growth in China, led to a buildup of bubble-related phenomena outside of China, if that's now unwinding as a result of the fact that Fed QE has ended, basically ended, it's probably a good thing. And that needs to, that needs to play out. The, 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 financial, the financial, global financial markets, investor sentiment and psychology needs to adjust mm. to, to the fact that that is now happening. It would be foolhardy or it would be foolish for, for central banks to push that aggressively in the, in the opposite direction. Yes. Uh, how, I mean, we talk about hard landing and soft landing in China and whether uh, this is what we're going through. It feels to some extent that the, the market adjustment that you talk about or the new normal is, is actually the rest of the world having a hard landing or soft landing experience ahead of China having its own hard landing, soft landing experience. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to suggest that actually we're, we've rushed quite quickly to the market feeling the the probable impact of a hard landing in China and reacting strongly or, or with a great deal of volatility as a result. Or possibly what it is, is it's, it's mainly the case that global investors, it's now sinking in that China is not going to grow as fast as it did immediately following the global financial crisis. Yes. Is, is another way of putting it. And that is bumping up against you know, lower levels of trend growth in the developed world. Yes. Right? From the perspective of the PBOC and looking at, at China, what do you make of uh, some of the interventionist behavior of this year? FX traders last year were, were trying to read the mind of, of central banks like uh, the Fed. They now seem to be trying to read the minds of the PBOC. What can, what can you guide them in terms of how they should be thinking about PBOC behavior and what they're trying to achieve, but particularly on, on the renminbi and where they want the renminbi to go? 
Well, China is less transparent than other major central banks, but China is also experimenting with many different policy levers. China wants a more sustainable growth rate, and, and China wants a higher quality of growth and structural change. And in order to get that, it's going to be pulling ma- many different policy levers. Uh, so that basically, it effectively makes China's financial system and the real economy an experiment. And China doesn't know where it's exactly going to end up. And so therefore, global investors don't know exactly where it's going to end up. And then related to the point I I made earlier about the fine line that many central banks are are towing, you can see already that China is not in a rush to continuously provide new palliatives to both its, its, its economy and to global investors. And that is because it's looking for a more sustainable, normal rate of trend growth and uh, looking for a new normal for for its economy. So it's rough. It's it's a rough environment especially when one of the phenomena that we we currently face is there's a huge demand for financial assets yes. from from global investors and there's a shortage there's of those shortage. of of financial assets. So so we see potential M&A deals where you know, people rushing to support those things because they can see the certainty of that sure. whereas Sure assets like FX look incredibly uncertain. Is that right? Uh, yes. Uh, FX, it, it, many, many different asset classes l- look uncertain because, as I, as I mentioned, you have this demand and this shortage of financial assets, which tends to bid up the price of financial assets. And then when you get a string of bad news, like weak data from a major economy or a central bank disappoints investors in terms of the amount of stimulus that it provides or geopolitical risks or fall in commodity prices, those assets react negatively and the and the and the unwind of positioning in those assets is significant this is not going to change anytime soon and so therefore global investors are getting used to i think the size of the moves that we're seeing in some of the the the, the asset classes and the volatility that we're seeing we've had barely 2 weeks of this trading year and we you know people like me are already trying to draw conclusions do you feel a, a noted a notable change in FX behavior, FX attitudes. Do you feel that there is, maybe it's nothing more simple than saying that that we are just in in risk-averse territory right now and it's going to take a while to get out? I think 2015 was more the year where there was a significant change in in attitude. And, And I think really what we're seeing in 2016 is just a carryover. 2015 was a very difficult year for many FX investors in terms of profitability. One of the reasons why I think volatility, although not extreme, is still, you know, it's comfortably within range, within the, within striking distance of its five-year average, sometimes above. One of the reasons that's, that's the case is because there's not as much capital committed as there, 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 there once used to be because it's, it's been a difficult environment. So there's just less money to, for, for people to put to work or, or less certainty behind people to put that money to work. So I think there was a, a significant change in attitudes in 2015, and there's been carryover into 2016. But what it means is that when some type of trend develops in FX, people will jump onto that trend very aggressively, right. and they won't let up but that's quickly. A, but it's normally a negative trend, isn't it? They're not going to jump on as aggressively for a positive trend, are they? I, I would say both. Really? I, okay. I, I would say both. Okay. At the moment, it's the negative one, but the, the, the positive trend, when it, when it develops, you know, that, that, 
we'll see that come out. Let, let me just conclude this discussion, Stephen, by asking, by coming back to the Fed and the dollar. For a lot of last year, we, the FX community was spending a lot of time working out whether the Fed was responding to market shifts in behaviour or whether it was trying to ignore it. Now that we are at the other side of liftoff, now we are seeing this rate cycle, do you think the Fed is going to be more or less attuned to these kind of market shifts, the very market shifts that that held back liftoff in September? The 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 Fed is I I I don't necessarily think there's there's more or less. I, I think the Fed does watch financial mar- market conditions very closely. The, the 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 issue though is that if the Fed starts to cement expectations for another rate hike, it should not use the tightening in financial conditions that cementing causes as an excuse to not tighten. What that does is it creates communication issues, credibility issues even. I mean, maybe credibility is a little bit of a stretch. The Fed has credibility, but communication issues definitely because it confuses confuses markets. If you're certain that a rate hike is desired, you shouldn't use the tightening in financial conditions or some of the volatility in asset prices as then an excuse to not deliver the ultimate tightening or rate hike that you that you promised but going forward for the dollar for the fed certainly the recent moves in financial markets i th- i think it's it's pretty evident that three to four rate hikes this year from the fed is looking less likely yeah. our view on the broad value of the dollar is that this is really the end of the uptrend this is the end of this part of the the, the positive cycle for the dollar and largely what will once once the fed delivers one probably two more rate hikes the markets will be thinking about the upcoming general election in the u.s oh, yes. which promises to be very messy and and so therefore it, it, the, the dollar should we, we we expect the dollar to peak within the next three to, to six months Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. That was Stephen Gallo of uh, Bank of Montreal. Keep in touch with all the FX news in the Financial Times on ft.com slash markets. And join us again next week for Hard Currency. China, oil. It's a safe bet that these topics will continue to dominate our conversation. Goodbye. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might like our new show, FT Investigations, Exposés and In-Depth Analysis by our worldwide network of reporters. The show's broadcast whenever we have a new groundbreaking investigation. You can download it at ft.com slash. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Podcasts.